When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because any relationship that I'm going to influence, I'm only going to be able to influence it through you. If these things exist, they're deal breakers you need to get out and get out right now. Are you willing to measure quality of your relationships based on results, not intention, based on results? Hey, it's Dr. Phil. That means you have found your way to fill in the blanks. You know, we just finished a 10-part series called Living by Design. And in that 10-part series, I gave you a playbook to be a power player, to be a winner in your life. Now, what I want to do now is talk to you about the fact that you are a social being. Because I've studied success and not one case study I've done of success was a Lone Ranger. Every one of them surrounded themselves with people that wanted them to succeed. And you know what that means? That means every one of them had relationships. Some of them were marital relationships. Some of them were family relationships. Some of them were friends, whatever. But they all had relationships. And I'm going to do a series with you now that I think is going to fit really well with Living by Design. And this series is called Relationship Reality Check. And the subtitle is, How Much Fun Are You to Live With? We're going to start in 40 seconds. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street. Essential television. You know, I've gotten to where I really love filling the blanks because it's giving me a chance without a story in front of me, without a couple or a family in front of me, to just deal with some information, some facts, a data download that you can take and apply to your situation, your story. And when you watch the show, which I hope you do, I hope it's really interesting because I think you can take a lot away 
from seeing what people are doing in their own lives. But there's also a place for me just being able to talk to you about what I've learned across 45 years of living and learning and counseling about what it really takes to succeed as a social being. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And when I say social being, I mean, think about it. We are social animals. You cannot go through your day without interacting with other people. If you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, I mean, true, we are getting very automated, but you still have to deal with people. And trust me, if you're standing in the line at the grocery store and you're like third in a line of 10, you have a relationship with the person right in front of you and you have a relationship with the person right behind you. Now, it's a brief relationship, but it is mutually defined. Like, you step up behind this person in line at the grocery store, they know you're there, and you know they're there, and you got somebody behind you, and they know you're in front of them, you know they're behind you. So what are you going to do? You're going to define a relationship with both of you. Now, the person in front of you, he might look over his shoulder and say, hot enough for you? And you might say, yeah, and go back to looking at the expiration date on your milk carton. Okay, now you've just defined a relationship. He made a casual comment, and you heard that comment, and then kind of rejected it. You said, okay, it's fine. You said something. I choose not to engage. Or you might turn around to the person behind you and say, hey, how about all this rain we've been having? And that person might say, you're not kidding. It was flooding in my street today. I had to go move this and that. And you guys might strike up a conversation. And the next thing you know, you're talking about the Rams or the Cowboys or the Yankees or whatever as you go through the line. So you've mutually defined a different relationship. But it is mutually defined because I believe in the principle of reciprocity. And let me tell you how important this is because you truly get what you give in a relationship. You're walking down the mall. You see somebody you know, and they say, hey, how's it going? You say, fine. And you? What are they going to say? They say, how's it going? You say, fine. And you? What are they most likely to say? You can make a bet what's going to come out of their mouth next. And it's going to be something like, fine, or I'm good. Thanks for asking. It's going to be at the same level. If you engage superficially, they're likely to respond superficially. If they step up to you and say, hey, how's it going? And you say, well, to tell you the truth, this is the hardest week of my life. Uh, I lost my mother two days ago. Now what are they going to say? Are they going to say, well, I'm good, actually. Good to see you. Bye. No, they're not going to do that. You have just taken it from the superficial to the vulnerable. They're going to reciprocate at that level. They're not going to give you a superficial, oh, really? Well, good to see you. That's not going to happen. Unless they're a smooth-running psychopath, they're going to reciprocate by reflecting feeling, not content. There's a big difference. And that's what I mean about the principle of reciprocity. I tell you that to tell you this. Whatever relationships you have, 
friends, co-workers, lovers, spouses. You have mutually defined that relationship. And I'm going to talk to you first about you. Why? Because you're the only one listening to this right now. You might have 10 or 20 key relationships in your life, but unless you set up bleachers, you're the only one I'm talking to right now. Which means if you've got 20 relationships, I can't be talking to the other 20 right now. I can only talk to you, which means I can only influence you. So I want to talk to you, about you. And that works out really well, because any relationship that I'm going to influence, I'm only going to be able to influence it through you. Any relationship that needs fixing, if it gets fixed, it's going to get fixed by you. Any relationship that you want to change, the change agent is going to be you. Any relationship that you want to completely redefine, it's going to be redefined by fill in the blank, you. So why am I calling this a relationship series? Well, I called it Relationship Reality Check, because the truth of the matter is, relationships are not 50-50. That's one of the biggest myths of relationships, and we are going to be breaking some myths as we go along. People say, you know, I got married, and so this needs to be 50-50. We need to each come meet in the middle halfway. Relationships are not 50-50. Relationships are 100-100. That means you have to look at yourself as 100% responsible for your own destiny. You need to look at yourself as 100% responsible for whatever relationships you have in your life. And the reason I say that is because the only person you control is you. That's the bad news. The good news is the only person you control is you. That's both in good and bad news. And the reason it's also the good news is because that's the only person you have access to. That's the only person you need to change in order to redefine a relationship. You can't control anybody else. You can inspire them. You can influence them. You can create a different environment that pulls for different responses for them. But the only person you control is you. And if you want to engage the world in a different way, then I need to talk to you, not about your partner, but about you. And to do that, we're going to have to make a deal right now. It's good that nobody's listening to this because it means you can be real. Because you cannot be defensive. You cannot be a right fighter. You cannot be in denial. You cannot be rigid. And you cannot be hard-headed. You have to decide, okay, look, just for the time I'm listening here and talking with Dr. Phil, I'm going to take down my defenses and I don't need to be right I'm just going to listen. Who knows? He may actually know something I don't know. Probably not, but, you know, maybe old blind Sal find an acorn. Maybe I'll stumble across something that maybe you don't know and maybe you can use. And if you think that was sarcastic, if you picked up on that, I hope so, because I was heaping it on pretty heavy. I've studied relationships, and I want to share with you what I know. If you want to focus on Saving a relationship that's off in the ditch. Maybe you've got a relationship in trouble. 
Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your boss. Maybe it's with your best friend. It seems to have changed. Well, okay. But the vehicle, the secret to making that relationship something that it's not right now is you. Here's where I want us to start. You've heard me say many times that we generate the results in life that we think we deserve. If you are in a bad relationship, let's just assume this is a romantic relationship. Maybe you're married. Maybe it's just somebody you're living with or dating or whatever, but it's not giving you what you want. And I'll bet you if I swung this mic around, you could spend the rest of this time telling me how flawed your partner is, how they don't get it, how they are not reasonable, how they are this or they are that. And you may be right. I don't know. Again, since they're not here and I can't influence them, I can only influence you. Then I'm telling you that my first goal here is to restore you to a position in this life, to being the kind of person in this life that commands quality in your relationship. The kind of person that inspires respect. The kind of person that does not settle for anything in a relationship other than what you really want and need from this relationship. If you are in a relationship that is marked by pain, confusion, emptiness, despair, distance, conflict, you've lost connection with the person, then I can tell you you have sacrificed your personal power. You have lost your dignity and your self-esteem because if your partner is everything that you're saying, they're mean, they're rude, they're ugly, they're cold, you're putting up with it. Why would you do that? Why would you let somebody treat you that way? Life law number eight, we teach people how to treat us. We teach people how to treat us. Don't tell me what a bitch your partner is. Don't tell me what a jerk your partner is. Tell me why that's okay with you. And you'll say, well, it's not okay with me. Well, based on results, it is. And we're going to talk about results before we finish today's conversation because it's something I'm going to ask you to agree to devote yourself to. So what am I saying here? I'm saying whatever your relationship is, you either elicit, maintain, or allow that to go on in your relationship. You do teach people how to treat you. You do reward certain things from other people because they wouldn't do it if you didn't. They're getting a payoff from it. Maybe it's a sick payoff. Maybe they love to see you in pain. I don't know. But when you lose your personal power, when you give it away to somebody else, when you sacrifice your dignity and self-esteem such that you're willing to accept what you don't want, then what you've done is learn to accommodate to pain and disappointment. And if you're letting your partner abuse you, if you're letting them abuse you by a number of things, maybe it's actually physical abuse. Maybe it's mental or emotional. And let me tell you, abuse is not what most people think. Most people think abuse is when somebody hits you in the head, comes up and slaps your face, or throws you up against the wall, or 
chokes you or whatever. Is that abuse? Absolutely, that's abuse. It's not much of a stretch to realize if they yell and scream at you and call you names and demean you, then you can understand how that's abusive as well, right? That's verbal and emotional abuse. But sometimes people miss some forms of abuse. For example, withholding emotions, withholding affection, creating distance and keeping you isolated in an emotionally barren relationship, that too is abusive. Being over-controlling, where they take away your self-expression, where they cause you to sacrifice being all of who you are in order to be half of a relationship, that is abusive. Some relationships are so controlling that they make the person get all of their friends approved. They listen in to their phone calls. They choose what they wear. They choose who they speak to. They take the car keys when they leave that morning so whoever the person is that stays at home can't go anywhere. Or they keep the money so tightly controlled that they don't have $5 to put gas in the car to go see their mother. Being over-controlling can be abusive. So ask yourself, are you with a partner that's dealing misery to you? Are you with a partner that somehow is creating you constant tension? If you are, can you criticize your partner for it? I, we, I suppose you could, but my question is not what's wrong with them. My question is what's wrong with you. Why would you allow that? Well, I'm the one that's supposed to have the answers. So let me answer that question for you. Why would you allow that? Well, you might allow it because it's the devil you know. You're in a relationship and at least you're not alone. And it's scary out there, right? And if this person is that way, they may be telling you nobody else would want you. And maybe they've got that bug in your ear and you're believing that. And maybe you've told yourself, I stood before God and made a covenant. For better or worse, we're just doing the worst right now. So I made my mistake when I stood before God and made this covenant. So I'm trapped. I'm not going to quit on God, so I'm going to stay here and let this person abuse me. You need to read the rest of your Bible, if that's what you're telling yourself. But here's why you're doing it. You're doing it because you have lost touch with your core consciousness. You've lost touch with what I call your core consciousness, and that is that place within you where you are in touch with your greatest strengths, your instincts, your values, your talents, your wisdoms. It's where all of those things are found. It's that place where you have an inner clarity and an unshakable confidence. And those characteristics alone determine a quality life. Now think about what I just said. Your core consciousness is what you know about yourself, about your strengths. You know what your qualities are. You know why you're a decent human being. You know what your instincts are. You know the difference between right and wrong. Your values are clear. Your talents are well known. 
you have wisdom that you've learned in your life. And I'm not talking about book learning. I don't care if you've got a PhD, an MD, a BA, or just a graduated from the School of Hard Knocks. You have wisdom. When you are in touch with this core consciousness, there is an inner clarity and that unshakable confidence. You know what is right. I believe people know the truth when they hear it, including from themselves. You know when you're being your own best friend, and you know when you're not. And the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You know, I said the subtitle to this series, Relationship Reality Check, was How Much Fun Are You to Live With? You can ask that from your partner's point of view. You also need to ask it from your point of view. How much fun are you to live with just from your point of view? See, I think every one of us is a life manager. We have a client list of one. You're a life manager just as I am. I'm a life manager, and my client is Phil. I got one client, and that's Phil. So how am I doing? I have to ask myself, how am I doing? Am I managing myself into a nice life? And that's more than money. Do I enjoy my days? Are they tension-filled and anxiety-laced? Or is there joy in my life? Is there excitement and passion in my life? Have I managed myself into a life that is full of joy, excitement, passion, purpose, or have I managed myself into misery? Have I managed myself into bleakness? Where it's like, oh, God, I got to get up and do this again. Holy God. Ugh. I got to listen to this again. I got to go to this job again. I got to put up with this health again. I'm out of shape. I'm this, I'm that. If I've managed myself into a miserable lifestyle, if I had a life manager that did that, if they managed me into misery, I would want to fire them, right? But you can't fire yourself. So that means you got to jack yourself up and be a better life manager, including what you're settling for. When you're in touch with your core consciousness, you don't settle. And I want you to be honest with yourself, because I'm going to be honest with you. The truth is not always easy to hear, but it is always the truth. You may not want to hear it. You may not like hearing it. It may be difficult, but the truth is always the truth. And as my partner Robin says, there are not versions of the truth. There's just the truth. What I'm asking you to do first is scrape away all of life's layers of distortion. All the negative messages that you've been accumulating, all of the messages of doubt that you've been accumulating, no matter what else you may have learned, if you continue to settle, if you continue to sell out, if you continue to self-sabotage, then you will continue to create the results that you think you deserve. And if what you're experiencing in your relationships either with yourself or with other people, is pain and guilt and confusion and anger, then you are not in touch with that core consciousness, that place where you know 
who you are. You're not in touch with that power, that depth of conviction, where you have the strength to inspire others, to create and relate, and realize that's what you do. You create and relate. This happens at a very high level. And look, no matter what else happens in this relationship reality check, if I fix no relationship in your life except the one that you have with yourself, then I hit a home run. Because that will change every relationship that you have if I change the one that you have with yourself by getting you back in touch with that core consciousness. I want you to decide that you're going to make a decision and accept the reality that you determine the quality that you live. You're not a victim. Trust me, you're not a victim. You can tell me your victim story and I'll take it apart nine ways from Sunday. You are not a victim. You create your own reality. That's Life Law 7. You create your own reality, you teach people how to treat you. Now those are just givens and you have to make those part of your mantra. You create your own reality and you teach people how to treat you. How do you create your own reality? I said the world is reciprocal. There is reciprocity. You get what you give. If you put out negativism, you get back negativism. You put out positive, you get back positive. And I want you to make a decision right now that you are responsible for the quality you live. You know you better than anybody else, and I want you to do something for me right now. Don't close your eyes and do this, because you might be driving your car right now. But I want you to think back to the happiest time in your life. Now, I don't know how old you are listening to this, but I'm assuming you're an adult, 20 plus, maybe you're 30 or 40. If you're 45, you've lived 16,425 days. And out of those 16,425 days, I want you to think back to the happiest time in your life. Was it when you were a kid? Were you eight or nine or 10? Was it when you went to college? Was it when you got that first apartment on your own, that first job? Was it the first time you fell in love? Was it the first time that you really felt like you were independent? Was it the first time that you felt like you really belonged somewhere? That you were accepted by some group of people? What was the happiest time in your life? I want you to think back to that time. If you need to hit the stop button for a minute to think about that, do it. Because I want you to have the happiest time in your life. And I'm going to ask you specific questions about it. So it can't just be, yeah, when I was younger. No happiest time in your life okay you got that in your mind if you hit pause for a while that's okay if you got that in your mind when was it specifically when was it and what about it made it the happiest time in your life what was going on you were younger but did you feel acceptance did you feel powerful did you feel success confidence the number one need in all people is acceptance. So I'm guessing at that time, you felt accepted. You felt like you belonged. But what else about it? See yourself at that time. What did you look like? 
What did you wear? Was this a time that you were wearing shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts and going to college? Or did you feel good because you were putting on nice clothes and going to work? Had you just purchased your first new car? What was the happiest time in your life? And you've got to be able to describe why that was the happiest time. What about it? Why that time instead of some other time? I'm Dr. Megan Sachs. And I'm Dr. Amy Sloshberg. And we're the host of the podcast Campus Killings. Our show covers some of the most sinister crimes to take place on or around school campuses. Or the cases we discuss have a school-connected theme. And with the new school year comes an all-new second season of Campus Killings, which will debut on September 16th, 2023. But if you want to listen to Campus Killings now, you can binge all the episodes from season one. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Okay, now that you've identified that time, and assuming that it's not right now, then the next question is, why did it end? If the happiest time in your life was a time before now, what changed? Did you lose something? Did the world change? Did you change? Did somebody do something to you? Did you just get used to it where it lost its buzz or its sizzle? Something happened. I mean, based on results, based on reality, there was a happiest time in your life, and it had a beginning and an end. It was a phase. Maybe it lasted a month. Maybe it lasted a year. Maybe it lasted two years. But what was the happiest time in your life? And it's not now, which means it ended. What changed? What about you changed? What was taken away? What was lost? What is now different? And what would you have to do to get back to that happiest time in your life? Because let me assure you of a very powerful reality. It wasn't about the time. It was about you. It was about what you perceived about that time. See, we don't respond to the reality of the world, we respond to what we say about the reality of the world. Maybe you were 20 and you were into music and you had free expression and you were able to throw off all the boundaries and guidelines and just fully express yourself completely. And you felt good about that and you had success with that. And so you felt like, wow, I'm really actualized here. I'm not fighting for survival. I'm not worried about security. I'm not going through those motions. I'm instead actualized to the point that I'm into self-expression. Okay, what happened? What changed that? And I can tell you that what changed was you changed. What about you changed? 
And it's not necessarily a negative. I mean, maybe you decided to take on something new. But you have to decide, that was my choice. I decided to go a different path. And you have to decide when you choose to pursue something and you're pursuing it in a very singular way where it's your dream, your purpose, your journey. You have to decide, hey, if I'm going to be alone, I'm not a bad person to do it with. And you can only say that if you're really in a good relationship with yourself. If you really know things about yourself where you say, hey, I'm good with me, I'm happy. If I need to be really working alone here right now or whatever, I like me okay. And if I don't, what goes on my to-do list? So the relationship with you has to be right. So ask yourself, when was the happiest time in my life and what happened? Why is it not still that way? And then ask yourself, if you're in an ongoing relationship, when was the happiest time in your relationship? Let's say it's your spouse we're talking about. When was the happiest time in that relationship? And what about it made it the happiest time? Was it when you were falling in love? Was it when before you had children? Was it when you didn't have a lot of responsibilities and bills and challenges? What was it? What made that the happiest time in your relationship? And what about your relationship changed that you're no longer in that phase? Because with the exception of a very short list of realities, there's very little in a relationship you can't fix. There are some what I call drop-dead deal-breakers. These are things that I don't care what the situation or circumstance surrounding them is. If these things exist... They're deal breakers. You need to get out and get out right now. You need to hit the eject button, get out, and don't look back. I bet you want to know what they are. You can guess number one is violence. If you're in a relationship and someone is attacking you, they are beating on you, they are choking you, slapping you, hitting you, physically abusing you, you need to begin to formulate a safe exit plan and get out as quickly as you can safely do so. And I'm saying as quickly as you can safely do so. Why am I saying it that way? Because over 70% of all murders and serious injuries in violent relationships occur in the three weeks following when that person leaves their abuser. So you've got someone that's abusing you, and so you leave. The next three weeks are the most dangerous times you have ever spent with that abuser. And you say, well, wait a minute, I'm not with them anymore. I understand. The next three weeks are the most dangerous time you will ever have in your relationship with that person. Why? Because Abusers are controlling, right? Physically abusing people are controlling. And when you are not available for their control anymore, they panic. It's what we call the frustration effect. Their control, their need for control, their panic, their insecurity ratchets up. 
and they ratchet up with it, and so they get desperate, and they do more desperate things. That's why I say you need a safe exit plan, and going to Mama's house is not it. They know where Mama lives, and they will come over there, and in a desperate attempt to assert their control further, that's when people get seriously hurt or killed. So drop-dead deal-breaker number one, violence. Make a safe exit plan. And by the way, a good place to find out what that is is you can go to whengeorgiasmile.org and my wife Robin has the Aspire Initiative there, which is devoted to victims of domestic violence. And there are the steps for forming a safe exit plan there. You can go to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and there will be resources on both of those places that will give you the information you need to know. Second, if you've got somebody that is abusing drugs or alcohol and they refuse to get help, they're a drug addict or an alcoholic, and they refuse to get help, you're no longer living with your husband or wife, your partner. You need to get out. They got out. They left you when they got addicted to drugs and alcohol. You're no longer living with them. You're living with a drug-altered version of them. So if they will not get help, you need to protect yourself and get out and not return until such a time as some independent professional tells you that they have dealt with the issue and it is safe for you to return. Those are drop-dead deal breakers. The third one is pathology, and by that I mean mental illness. And I'm not just talking about somebody that's moody here. I'm not talking about somebody that's kind of idiosyncratic or you just think they don't think the way you do, so therefore that's not okay with you. I'm talking about someone that has a diagnosed mental illness. They clearly do not have contact with reality, and they are doing dangerous things, and they refuse to get help and continue to behave in ways that put you and or your children in harm's way. Now, is what I'm doing telling you to abandon your partner because they have a mental illness? Absolutely not. I'm telling you to protect yourself and your children if you are living with someone that suffers from a mental illness and refuses to acknowledge it and refuses to get help for it and refuses to take the steps to keep you safe. There are people that are delusional or have paranoid schizophrenia or paranoid delusions that are so convinced that they are being persecuted that they will take steps or evasive steps that can put you in harm's way. They can drive erratically. They can board up the house where if it catches on fire, the children can't get out. If you've got someone that is really out of touch with reality and they refuse to get help, you must keep yourself and your children safe. Go to therapy with them. Go see them in the treatment facility every day. Do everything you can to support and stand by them but not at the risk of your own health, safety, and well-being or that of your children. It's not abandoning someone to require them to get help. 
and if your relationship is in trouble, I want you to work on you. The statistics are not good for marital therapy, I'm just telling you. Two-thirds of all people, all couples that get marital therapy, are worse or no better after one year. Sad fact. They're worse or no better after one year. Is that because the therapists don't know what they're doing? No, it's because you typically don't listen. You typically don't do what they tell you to do. You're really good while you're sitting there in the office, but then you go home and it doesn't translate very well. That's why I say I'm not trying to fix the couple here. I'm trying to fix you. We're starting with you. You can't control him or her, but you can control you. Now, I said some of this truth you're not going to like, and here's the truth you're not going to like, but it's a truth that can absolutely set you free. If you are in a bad relationship, you are in a bad relationship because you set it up that way. You're in a bad relationship because you set it up that way. You designed, programmed, choreographed your lifestyle such that there was absolutely no other possible outcome than for you to generate and perpetuate a bad relationship. Now, you don't need to hit replay. You don't need to back it up. You heard me right. You are in a bad relationship because you set it up that way. You programmed it where there was no other possible outcome. You actually programmed it. You were dead in the water when you started because you programmed it that way. And I'll tell you why. You cannot possibly have anything in your life that occurs on any kind of sustainable basis that your lifestyle does not support. Now, think about what I just said. You cannot have a bad relationship unless your lifestyle sustains it. You must have a lifestyle that is riddled with stress, pressure, distractions, paranoia, chaos, and a self-defeating internal dialogue in order to have a negative relationship. And you're thinking, well, now, that's just not right. I just don't believe you. Well, look, I'm not blaming you. I'm just telling you how it is. And let me give you an example that you can use in your own life. Think of a time period in your life where your weight and your health eroded. Think about your lifestyle during that time. I'll promise you, you were eating more, exercising less, and eating foods that you knew were low in nutritional value and high in fats and sugars, and they were easily digestible. You see, healthy foods have what I call a high response cost. Like, think about eating raw broccoli. Raw broccoli has a high response cost, right? It takes a while to eat a stalk of raw broccoli. Now think about going and getting a bean burrito at a fast food place. You can eat it like a wood chipper. You just put it up there and it's gone. Okay, low response cost food. So you pick a time in your life where you've put on weight, 
you're out of shape, you don't feel as good. Your lifestyle supported you being out of shape, overweight, and not feeling as good. Now, let's go to a time in your life where you're energetic and your weight is spot on and your health is good, your lab work is good, your energy is good. I'll promise you your lifestyle supported that. And if I want to know, I can follow you around and predict where you're headed. I can follow you around for a week and tell you, you continue this lifestyle a month from now, you're going to be overweight, out of shape, not feeling good, and low in energy. Or I can follow you around for a week where you're exercising, eating with some discipline, paying attention to the nutritional value of the foods you're eating. And I can tell you a month from now, you're going to be feeling good, looking good, high energy, and performing well. You have to have a lifestyle that is consistent. If I can start with the outcome and work backwards and tell you what the lifestyle was. If I see a bad relationship, I guarantee you I can go back and say this is a lifestyle that is full of pressure, chaos, stress, poor sleep, etc., etc. You set it up that way. There's no way you could have a bad relationship if you don't have a lifestyle to support it. You think weeds grow out of thin air? No, they don't. There has to be something to support it. If a weed's going to grow, it has to have food. It has to have water. It has to have sunlight. Something has to support that weed being there. You know, there's an island in the Caribbean where a bunch of pigs live on this island. Let me tell you, somebody had to take those pigs there. They didn't just one day a pig pop up out of the ground. There had to be pigs there. Then people had to feed these pigs. They had to nurture these pigs. There has to be an environmental support system for those pigs to exist. It's like there has to be an environmental support system for your bad relationship to exist. And it has to be a bad relationship with you. So what does that tell you? It tells you that if we're going to do this, if we're going to improve your reciprocity with the world, if we're going to improve your interaction with the world as a social being, if we're going to improve your marriage, if we're going to improve your romantic relationship, if we're going to improve your friendships, if we're going to improve you as a social being, you've got to raise your game. You have to require more of yourself. You have to live with dignity. You have to have respect and emotional integrity. Unless you get right with you, you will never get right with anyone else. And sometimes that means just making a life decision. And I'm going to give you an example from my own life. If you've known me over the last 20 years, then you know that my father was an alcoholic, a bad alcoholic. When I say bad alcoholic, I mean he drank to self-destruction. He died at 72 as a side effect complication of morbid obesity and alcohol abuse. Absolutely no question about it. And because I had such a bad reaction to his drinking, because I had such a resentment of his drinking, and the way he treated my mother when he was drinking, and everything that went along with being an animated alcoholic. He was not an alcoholic that became brutish and went off in a room and sat there by himself and got drunk, and then he sobered up and you saw him three days later. No. He was loud. He was boisterous. He was animated. 
He thought he was funny. He thought he was bulletproof. He would come home, crashed cars, motorcycles, whatever. He just was a problem for me. So we did not get along. Lots of conflict. And we were in business together for a while because my mother wanted me to really bad. And I had a hard time ever telling my mother no because she was the sweetest woman I think I've ever met. And he and I would butt heads a lot and argue a lot. And it would often get very animated and very heated. And one day, I just made a decision. I'm just not going to do this anymore. Just absolutely not going to. I made a life decision that, you know what? There's absolutely no point in this. I absolutely am not going to do this anymore. I refuse to invest the energy to argue with this man another day in my life. And I'm here to tell you, from the day I made that decision, he and I never had another argument from that day until the day he died. And after about three weeks, he came by my office, stuck his head in, and said, you're not going to argue with me anymore, are you? And I said, no, I'm not. And he stood there a minute and said, okay, gotcha and turned around and went back to his office. And we never had another argument the rest of his life, which was another four or five years. Now, I had lots of opportunity, but I realized I don't have to react just because I can. I decided that I was going to live at a higher level and require more of myself. I did not like myself when I was engaged with him that way. I was not living with dignity and self-respect. I was not living with emotional integrity. It was not what I wanted to do, but I was doing it, and I did not like it. I made a life decision, and it changed my life. I want you to start making some life decisions about how you relate to the world. And I've got a few questions for you that I want to finish with here today. And these are questions that are going to be really essential to us being successful in this relationship reality check. And remember, I've said 80% of all questions are statements in disguise, so you can hear these as questions, but I am making a statement. Question, are you willing to forget everything you think you know about relationships? Are you willing to forget everything you think you know about relationships? Are you willing to measure quality of your relationships based on results, not intention, based on results? Can you make the decision that you want to be happy rather than right? Now, that's a big one. Can you make the decision that you want to be happy rather than right? Because if you're in a relationship and you think you're right, maybe you think your partner's all wrong, maybe you think she's doing something horrible, maybe you think she's cheating on you, maybe you think she's spending too much money, maybe you think she's the root of all evil, and you spend the rest of your life 
as though there's a bomb in the room and you get to the last day of your life and that bomb never went off, how dumb are you going to feel? You spend all that time wanting to be right and you could have spent all that time being happy. Can you decide to be happy rather than right? Can you decide to adopt a new strategy and just believe that when you change you, they will come along? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But you will have made a change. Can you adopt a new strategy and let the chips fall where they will with the other person? And can you embrace the following formula? Be, do, have. Very simple formula. Write it down where you can see it. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Write it on your desk. Be, do, have. Be committed. Do what it takes. Have what you want. Be committed, do what it takes, have what you want. I want to give you an assignment of sorts because today, this is Tuesday, today on Dr. Phil, it is all about relationships. And you talk about getting what you give. This episode is called Liar, Liar, Which Sister is Telling the Truth? And I've got a little audio link to it you can hear below. But based on what we've said so far today, watch that episode with these things in mind and you'll see why this is so toxic. And then tomorrow, I'm talking about a relationship between a mother and a son that had a romantic relationship that failed went to bed with a broken heart and has been there for five years. Now you talk about someone that cannot find their core consciousness. These two episodes could not be better suited for what we're talking about here if I had planned them in advance and I didn't. I wish I was smart enough to say that I did, but I didn't. It just so happens that these two are rock-solid relationship shows that I think you're going to see very differently based on what we've talked about so far. Now, what's coming up in this series is going to start talking about all the things you can do to put your relationship where you want it. I said that you could inspire, that you could create change by what you do within yourself. And there are going to be a lot of things for you to do to figure out why you're where you are in your relationship and how much you really know about the partner that you have. You might be surprised that you don't know this person as well as you think you do. We'll see. And that's on our next Fill in the Blanks, which will be a week from today. I'm Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil.